Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. I, I hadn't owned slippers for a long, long time, and then my girlfriend brought me some about two weeks ago, and they've genuinely changed my life. Top-tier content, this. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Thierry Emmerich Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Recording. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 49, with Alexander Moneypenny and the even more furious Fergie. Hey, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Thanks. Uh, Bradley Adams, sorry. <laughs> morning. My bra- my, uh, mor- uh, yeah, morning. <laughs> Been on a run. Been on Bit. a run. O- only the third time you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> got to get it. Got to get it into the pod so the listeners know. Yeah, yeah. But Brad, you got a PB, mate. Come on, flex on us. Flex on us a little bit, why don't you? Okay, so I broke my PB this morning with my uh, partner, who she loves running and she's very, very fast. And for some reason, I decided it was a smart idea to keep up with her today. Uh, we did like three k in fourteen and a half minutes, which isn't bad. One of my that is very good. One of my favorite things in the pandemic was watching people would be like, "Yeah, I did a four k in three minutes." Yeah. Oh my god. When when you see people who would like post that they'd they'd like broken the world record without realizing (laughs) they posted that they'd broken the world record just from like their Nike free run app or whatever it's called. Oh wait, do you remember? um, Oh god, do you remember when Britney Spears posted on Instagram that she ran the hundred meter dash in five point something seconds? I don't, but that is. I wish I did. That is hilarious. No, honestly, if I think I'm pretty sure it's still (laughs) up on her Instagram, but she posts. Like a, a a screenshot of the stopwatch. That's so funny. Um, from like the clock on an iPhone, and she basically claims that she ran the hundred meter sprint with the world record set at nine point something seconds by Usain Bolt in something like five point six seconds. Oh well, listen. Maybe she meant a hundred feet. Who knows? Also, also, if anyone's interested, and if you're interested, I don't know if you've watched it. Apparently, the framing Britney Spears documentary is incredible. Yeah, isn't it? Something like Justin Timberlake's a naughty boy or something. It, and it's a lot to do with like the free Britney movement and like the fact that her dad, it's, there's, there's like a conservat is it a conservatorship or something where like it's some weird thing in the States. I think it might even be in this country, but basically her dad like runs her life and she's almost like a prisoner within her own life. And this documentary just kind of puts it all on blast, I think. Um, puts it all on blast. And apparently from, like, I know a few people that watched it and they've said that it's absolutely incredible and that you need to go watch uh, it. Uh. Yeah, it's it's one of them ones, I, 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 I just don't feel like I care about Britney Spears enough. But equally, if it's a good doc, I'll watch it. I love a good documentary. Oh my I was, God, I was, yeah. I was introduced to Bake Off last night. I've never watched Bake Off in my life. Is it good? Very good, Bradley. I never <laughs> thought I'd care so much about a blancmange <laughs> or whatever bottom. it was. Exactly. 
uh yeah it's 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 very good it's very sort of you know easy viewing it's it's good stuff um we're three minutes in we haven't talked about football actually i want to start with a question brad okay mate now and this is a question for the viewers i'd love you to tweet in your your views on this because i i'm really torn or email in nathan or email in if you're Nathan Broder. We haven't had an email from Nathan Broder in so long. Oh my God, Nathan, are you okay? Come on, mate. Um, okay, and take all emotion out of this. So take out the idea that, you know, one thing might feel a different thing to another, because we they obviously do. Mm-hmm. Purely musically. Yes. Champions League anthem or Europa League anthem? Oh, are you t- so so? Oh, no, no, oh, no nostalgia. Just purely like if I'm talking about if I had to listen to it as a song. Yes. Which one would I enjoy more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the Europa League, purely because I find the, I said the Champions League one a bit like gaudy and aggressive. Like, as in musically, as in like music. Do you know what I mean? As in. So I'm just imagining you sat there with like a a fine wine, just sort of wincing at the TV. <laughs> watching Leipzig versus United. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'd probably musically prefer the Europa League, but like the Champions League holds so many memories for me as a kid. Like, yeah, but no, 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 no. Take yeah. the emotion out of it. Music, Emo- is it. emotion out of it. Pure music. It's got to be the Europa. There's no emotions in music, so take it out. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just trying to find any advantage of being in the Europa League, to be honest. <laughs> and I just thought, is it, is it the tune? Because it's, a, it's a slammer. Oh, 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 it's it slaps. Yeah, it's 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 a good banger. It's a good little banger. I know some people hate it, but anyway. Um, right, let's talk about some football then. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. Arsenal Football Club drew one-one with uh, what are they called <laughs> Benfica at the uh, where were we? I know we were in Rome, but was it the Velodrome or something? That's a cycling. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, no, no, no. I think it was the Stadio Olimpico. I'm really well prepared. Uh, we were. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was at the Stadio Olimpico. Rome's Olympic Stadium. That's where we were. Yeah. Uh, Stadio Olimpico. <laughs> with a goal for us. And uh, is it Pizzi? Pizzi with a, with a penalty for them from Emil Smith-Rowe's handball, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, overall feelings on the game, Bradders? Uh, disappointing. Yeah, because Aubameyang's had two to three brilliant opportunities and not buried them. And a player of his quality has to finish those opportunities. I think the first one, the goalkeeper does really, really well. He covers a hell of a lot of ground very quickly and closes off that gap in space. And I think Aubameyang just makes the wrong decision. Uh, Maybe just because he doesn't trust his uh, weak foot enough because it is on his left. Uh, I think... And and also, what we have to remember is, even though he's just scored a hat-trick, he's still probably a bit shaky when it comes to certain opportunities, purely because, you know, he went so long without a goal. Uh, The better option probably would have been to try and chip it back the other way, almost reminiscent of the Chelsea finish. But obviously, at speed, it's a cross. It's, It's disappointing because we've drawn a game that realistically we should have won I mean I think the non-penalty XG is we created 1.38 and they created 0.49 or 5.2 or something around that I, I have our open play XG is 1.41 and theirs is 0.28 but oh, okay 
Um, but but as in we're, we're still we, we created more we were dominant for large parts of it and a big part of the game was we just couldn't stay the fuck on side and yes you tweeted it out yesterday and I am very much of the same opinion that look like we discussed in uh, not the last episode but the episode before about having a year out of Europe I don't think this should be the year I think that because the league is pretty much already gone for us when it comes to the Champions League qualification we should throw everything we've got into this into this Europa League basket. Yeah, for sure. And uh, which is why I, I I love the fact that we we put out a very strong lineup and we looked to kill off the game in the first leg. It's just a shame that our main men didn't take the opportunities to kill off the game in the first leg. Yeah, we won the offside count ten nil, which isn't bad. Um, yeah, I mean overall feelings like uh, very much similar to you. Uh, just disappointment. I think you know there's a stat somewhere which is like. I'm sorry to do this to everyone, but uh, Arsenal have lost seven of their last eight home games in the first knockout rounds of the last eight European seasons. Um, it just felt like a game that could could come and it feels bite. like Olympiacos last year. Well, it just feels That's like exactly a, a game that, like. that might, yeah, yeah, in a way, especially with like Aubameyang missing a sitter, like it feels like a game that could come back and bite us on the bum. Like it just feels like one of those like games that we'll look back on in a week or in, you know, in three, three, four months going, Oh God, if we'd only just put that chance away. Um, but you know, listen, we were on top. Ultimately we went, I'm doing air quotes away to a decent European side who, you know, have some solid ex Premier League, you know, not, not long out the Premier League players, some really good, you know, decent players. I think um, Grimaldo, he has got Bellerin disease, but Grimaldo's a decent left back and Pizzi's decent and stuff. But they had some decent players. Everton's all right as well. And we we pinned them back. We were, you know, over them. We were aggressive. We we had much more possession, much more, you know, higher XG, more zone 14 touches. Like, you know, we 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 were on... It's, it's kind of the story of Arsenal season, really. It's like, you know, domination in terms of all of the, um, you know possession we were putting more moves together we we appeared to be on top but we just couldn't make it count but in european fixtures i think that hurts you even more um so i'm hoping we just don't we don't sort of live to regret that but i uh, have a sneaky annoying feeling that we might um in terms of the lineup was there anything that sort of jumped out to you um unchanged while I was ple- uh yeah unchanged while i was pleased that we put out a strong lineup um I'm disappointed that we didn't take the option to rest certain players, like maybe give Saka a bit of a rest and just stick um, Pepe out on that right-hand side. Uh, But the thing is, is I can understand why we did it. We've done it to kill off the game and we've just not done what we went there to do. Uh, So my only real qualm is the fact that we didn't rest Saka because there's a lot of minutes in those legs. And again, playing another full 90. It will just get to a point where if he gets a major injury and we massively fall off the pace because, you know, he's our best player at the moment, uh, that will be Mikel Arteta's fault for not resting him, especially if it's something like an ACL or a muscle injury where it's obvious that fatigue and the amount of minutes that have gone gone into his legs will have played a factor. Yeah, it's... And also, interestingly, I kind of felt that this is a game for wingers. Like, I know we've gone for that, um, the sort of the the three technical players in behind Aubameyang again, 
But I felt as though I mean, this is this is complete conjecture, Claxon. So hit me up. Warning: here. Conjecture ahead. But the hang on, mate. I'm just going to look this up so I'm not chatting absolute bollocks. Um, yeah, it, it just potentially felt like a game for wingers because. So I just looked up the stats, um, and it's actually ab- absolutely negligible, like two meters in it in terms of width. But it felt the pitch to me, and I think it's because Benfica were playing such a high line. The pitch to me felt really long and narrow and thin. Um, and it probably probably the camera angle as well, definitely. And this is a huge kind of conjecture. But regardless, there was a lot of space in behind. They played a really high line, started off. And I thought, ooh, dangerous. Because if, if Erdegaard gets that ball, you know, in any kind of space, he's playing a Bamiang through. And there, was, there were a few moments of that. But I think Benfica kind of took their chances. But I wonder whether, you know, having a Pepe, having a Martinelli in from the start might have stretched this, yeah. them. And yeah. I mean, Saka, again, play the 90 minutes. And listen, we're not... We're I not... just think they set up to nullify us. They set up to nullify us really well because when we have... When you have that trio of Smithrow, Erdegaard and Saka... Now, Saka's got some pace on him. I'm not denying that. But he's... It, it's not his his kind of premier attribute. Yeah, he's got acceleration, but it's not, you know... Yeah. So... Not having a second runner and having our only runner be Aubameyang means that all that um, defensive line has to do is catch Aubameyang offside. That is the only thing they have to do. There is only one player they have to focus on putting in an offside position. And because you um, you sent me a clip, or I, I don't know if I sent you a clip, but we found a couple of clips on TikTok, on Football TikTok, about how like Man City and certain runners of theirs distort the defensive offside line. And currently we're just not um, kind of drilled enough to do that. And I don't think we've got, obviously, nowhere near the players of quality that they have. Um, So I think we made it a bit easy for them in not changing. Yeah. No, it's it's purely because they just set up to nullify us. And they did do that really, really well. Even though we had... Obviously, I think we had the better of the chances. And if Aubameyang puts away two of his three chances, we're not talking about it this in this way. But because of the way they set up, they did they did catch us out a lot. You know, 10 off sides, I think it's the most since, like, what, 2008 or something stupid? Yeah. I mean, I think you made a really astute point there. Like, it's the second and third man runs. Like, yeah. you know, beyond... As you say, if you, if you, if there's you know a flat back five and they've just got Aubameyang's runs to deal with, they're going to get him offside every single time. We we needed to be looking. You know, I like Smithrow and I like Erdegaard, but it felt to me like there should have been a choice between the two of them. Um, the, the in season, this kind of game, yeah, in this kind 100%. of game, or maybe a switch at half time. I don't know, but you know, Smithrow again has, has played a lot of football. Um, but yeah, to me, you know, Saka is Saka, like he's, he's incredible. And, and, you know, we, we, we obviously want to keep him on, but again, another 90 minutes, um, it's a, it's a concern, but he is, you know, he is one of our best players and that's what it is. But yeah, I think, yeah, certainly maybe a winger might've helped us just to get those second and third man runs going and just to stretch them a bit and give them some, some, some pace to deal with. Because I think, you know, Erdegaard loves sitting in that right half space, Smith Rowe drifting out wide. Okay. Saka's trying to burst through, but then we've only got Aubameyang stretching them. So it's, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a slight concern. Um, We started off, uh, I thought we were playing out from the back quite well. Um, the first big chance was, you know, it was a bit cagey to start with. The first big chance was that um, that ball in from, I mean, it's a great thread from Zabios oh. and then the ball in from Bellerin. 
yeah, I, I I think the ball, the initial ball to get it to Bellerin is brilliant. I think Bellerin uh, does a decent enough job. You know, one one of the major criticisms we have of him is is his deliveries, and I I don't think this is one to criticize. And then it's just there's not oh, like just bad there's nothing we can really it. say. It's just bad finishing, <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, and also like you know, the, 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 yeah, the, I think sometimes people go over and over these things. Ultimately, and they go, you know, if Aubameyang scores that, and we come away from that with with a, say a two one or a two or, or a two nil, we wouldn't because it'd be an alternative reality. But anyway, say we come away from that game with a two one or a two nil, the whole narrative's different. You know, Arsenal are you know purring in Europe and they're back on they're back on it, and you know they beat Leeds in style. And how great is Arteta? Abamyang slightly miscues that. Oh, Abamyang's misfiring, and you know, will Arsenal be able to? We know these narratives are so fine in football, um, but yeah, I, I, there's not much to say about it really, other than it was just a poor finish. I think something something that uh, I, I do want to say, and I've seen kind of come into a narrative recently, and I think is really really astute, is around Abamyang as a as a player. Like, this is a guy whose superpower is getting chances. And I think sometimes people forget that. Like he he needs one or two touches at times to get the ball out of his feet to be able to, you know, he needs a bit of a run and a bit of a, you know, a touch to the side before he can curl it or, you know, look at that Leeds goal. It's classic Aubameyang. But he's not really, I can't remember many mad instinctive finishes from Aubameyang. He's a bit clumsy. He's a bit clunky as a player. But when you, it's almost like when he has like a time to power up his bazooka, he he can you know he can do such damage and that's that's what he is but ultimately it's his movement that does it um, and I'm liking him as a nine I think he 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 can offer a lot more uh, especially dropping um, than we maybe think I don't think he's perfect um, but yeah I wanted to highlight um, something that I've noticed as well is these kind of deep balls from Sabios and Xhaka up the kind of inside channels um, beyond the fullbacks. There was a lot of those. One of them led to that chance. Um, Xhaka was playing, Xhaka has been playing, especially recently, quite a lot of nice kind of threaded balls through that space. I wonder whether that's an instruction, um, more confidence. Um, yeah, it, it like I, I just saw I saw a lot of line-breaking passes. Probably a mixture yeah. of the two. Probably a mixture of the two. Uh, and I think it will, it will be... It's just a shame that we've not got a right back with slightly better quality uh, when it comes to kind of making those runs, deliveries. And although that delivery for the Aubameyang chance was decent, that's kind of the one out of 10 that ends up being decent from Bellerin, unfortunately. Like, I, 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 and I know it comes later in the game, but I genuinely don't know why we sub Cedric off. Why didn't we move Cedric to the right-hand side? And this is the frustrating thing that Cedric, uh, other than Bukayo Saka has and Sabayos has our, uh, and he's joint with Sabayos, so he's joint second in our rated in our ratings for how well every player performed on our team. And Bellerin, other than Sm- he's one of the bottom three or four, maybe. No, he's in the bottom, like he's in the bottom half. Let's say that he's in the bottom half of our team. It makes no sense to me that Suarez, who's playing out of position, who has shown over the last few games that he is of a much, much higher level of quality currently than Hector Bellerin, even though he might 
even if you say, well, he he lacks some of the match intelligence or whatever, or like he's he's just a better right back right now. Why are we taking him off and bringing Tierney on rather than taking Bellerin off, putting Tierney on the left and Suarez back yeah, on the right? Yeah, for sure. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a strange one. And also, you know, if we're going to start playing these kind of threaded balls a bit more, someone like Cedric has got a bit of a better delivery than Bellerin. He also is able to just take it to the byline a bit more than Bellerin. Bellerin loves cutting in. And I, I think Bellerin cutting in, you watch it with uh, with Grimaldo on, and, and, and for Benfica, I kind of saw some mad similarities between them and they'd have an absolute field day if they played together. It would be the most narrow team in the league. But it's the constant desire to cut inside. And it's fine if that... There's no difference. There's no difference. If that's if that's a... If that's a you know an instruction, that's cool. But I think that you know getting that width. I think you see when Tierney comes on, it just creates that you know extra three yards of space for Aubameyang or, or another runner to exploit, and it, it helps so much. And I think the fact that Bellerin's so predictable, he, he does make those runs. But as you say, then they're, they're less um, less kind of clockwork as Xhaka and Tierney on that other side. Let's say for example. But yeah, also great to see Tierney back. Um, I wanted to highlight Sabios just quickly. Um, because on the on the average positions, he's absolutely slap bang in the middle of the team, and I and I sort of I had kind of guessed that would where he was where he would be. I think Sabios is so nearly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's such a nearly player, and I've I've said many many times that he's mad unpredictable and kind of up and down. But I thought Sabios actually had some it's a coin flip great moments it's a coin flip but it's yeah. also a coin flip from moment to moment Sabios can wriggle himself out of a tight space play an unbelievably gorgeous progressive ball like the one we saw for the Aubameyang chance or he can wriggle out of a tight space pussy out and turn around and play it back or he can you know get back and do a um, really lovely siding tackle or something and then get up and just dilly dilly dally on it, and it goes back to Louise, and there's no point in him. You know, he doesn't break the lines in any in any sense or any kind of you know progressive, do any kind of progressive work. He's he's such an enigma, and I wonder whether. And my question was like, I wonder whether Sabios can be coached out of that, because I wonder whether that that it could be. If you watch Party, he is always looking to play forward. Always doesn't matter what he's doing. His last, he he almost, he will always try and play forward. And then if he has to, he comes back. So by us, it feels more more of an option. He's more going, oh, I could, I could do both. Party's like, I'm doing this until I can't. And that's such a difference. And I just wonder whether Sabayos, because he has got the technical quality. I don't, I, I love his defensive work. I wonder whether he could be coached into into that role and with conversations around him potentially coming on a transfer I wonder what your your feelings are on him specifically as a player not necessarily the deal itself um I think it, it the issue is is I think the two are quite intertwined because if for example you say oh you can have Sabios for five million quid I'd be like yeah oh my god like absolute bargain He's probably like a 15 20 million pound player currently who if he got coached out of certain bad habits, could definitely evolve. But if you're talking about the rumoured £25 million, I'd say absolutely not. Because then you're talking about the same amount, and I know that he had a year left on his contract, but you're talking about the same amount of money that Liverpool are paying over four years to buy Thiago. 
who, okay, has had a bad start in the Premier League, but is still probably one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. You know, and there was reports coming out from some journalists in Spain that Madrid are looking to sell around 100 million uh, pounds worth or 100 million euros worth of players this summer. If we take them for a deal and we'll go, we give you 12 and a half million quid or 15 million quid, I wouldn't hate it because I think that's where he's at currently. But he is not a solid option moving forward. He's another kind of signing that I think in three to four years we're probably going to want to replace. Well, he's an, he's another kind of... It's such a difficult one because it depends... Again, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's kind of intertwined. It's It depends on the squad building, right? Like... Yeah. If you're, if you're trying... If you're just signing him as a squad player... I don't hate it as a as a deal. No, like, no, exactly. So but you don't spend is... twenty five million on a squad player. Exactly, exactly. And when, I, you know, when you're Arsenal football club who and, don't spend any money, exactly. And if you've got Miguel Aziz, you've got Charlie Patino, you've got you know young players coming through who who can kind of fill that fill that role and fill that gap. I mean, Aziz like an absolute Rolls Royce when he came on. Like he's kind of got that sort of party aura about him. And it's not to you know make every player in the you know or we've now just got to get you know a, a string of Thomas parties in, but we see the benefit of having a player who constantly tries to progress the ball. Sabayos does a lot of great work. He's really great in the build up, but my my worry is always that he is he just plays it back so much and he is so inconsistent in his performances that even the best performances have little patches of ah Sabayos. In terms of the Real Madrid kind of fire set, if we want to call it that, I mean, I'd, I'd be looking at Erdegaard. There was a stat. Um, where are we? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. We should we should be t- because the thing is right. The more that number, but a lot of Spanish clubs are currently strapped for cash. You know, you're looking at Barcelona being in something like over a billion in debt or something ridiculous. They're, and they're they owe. They're now having to stop. They're they're now stop having to stop playing. Coutinho so they don't owe Liverpool another 10 million euros or something stupid like this there's a with coronavirus just like last summer there's a lot of financial worries and difficulties going forward and what Real Madrid want to do apparently according to this uh, journalist is uh, generate about 100 million euros in sales so they can fund moves for um, Kylian Mbappe and then when the Haaland release clause becomes active i think in january in 12 months time i think or it might it might be in 12 months time or it might be in this this summer in six months time they want to exercise that option because i think it's about 65 million euros which would be the bargain of the fucking century you know He, he looks like an absolute machine of a footballer and the 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 more that they sell and the lower that that 100 million pound dwindles to like, they need to raise about 20 million pound, the more bargaining power they have. Because they'll go, oh, well, we've raised 80 million. We don't really need to sell him. So you're going to have to pay what we want for him. Whereas if we go, say, for example, I think Erdegaard has shown enough in his first few appearances to go, okay. And also we have to consider his previous pedigree. He was in the La Liga team of the season last season because he was so good at Sociedad. I think now is the time to be going to Madrid and going, let's finalise a deal where we take him for £35 million in the summer. And 
offer them, okay, maybe they'd want 45.50, but we go, you haven't sold anyone yet. We're going to get, we're going to sort it out. So on the day the window opens, you get your money and we get our player. I think that, that that's the best move going forward. Sabios is not the one that I'd be currently negotiating for. I wouldn't even be thinking about it. I'd be, I'd, Sabios is the one that I'd be sending back to Madrid. And then if I did want him on the last day of the transfer window, because I think they probably want Sabios out more than they want Erdegaard out. So I'd just send Sabios back to Madrid and then on the last day go, ah, we'll give you 15 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Erdegaard was excellent last night. You know, 22 out of 23 passes in the first half. Successful, best passing accuracy of any Arsenal player on the pitch. You know, he was excellent again in that right half space, picked some lovely passes out. Just to finish up the conversation on Ceballos, like, you know, he it's not like he never plays it forward. It's not like he he's never good. It's not like he's never, you know, uh, kind of in some way, you know, it's not like he offers nothing for us. I think actually he, pro- I think actually I, I saw a stat that he had like the most final third entries but when you have so much of the ball, when so much goes through, when you are the hub of the team, I think he might have the most touches. Let me have a look. Um, second, uh, Third most touches after um, Gabriel and, and, and Granite. When you are the hub of the team and you are the person that people look to, you know, once we get it out from Granite and, and Gabriel and, 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 and David, that's if I know them, the lads, um, we're looking for that to go forward, and you know, if you are the hub of the team, we have to, we, it has to come from you. Yeah. So, yeah, I just a lot of potential there for Sabios, and and I'm not writing off as a player, but it's a, of course not. It's a, it's definitely it's a, a deal to be a, looked yeah. at. It's a difficult conversation because it, it all comes down to the idea of value and whether he is value one valuable to this team squad building going forward, and two has a value that aligns with how valuable he is, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the first half kind of went by fairly uneventfully. There was the good moment with Erdegaard and Sabahs on the edge of the box. Um, Erdegaard uh, drawing Mesut Ozil comparisons, not shooting from eight yards out, uh, but that was offside anyway. Um Yeah, I just, I remember just writing down, just watching Sabahs, just a blessing and a curse. Um and then there was a weird moment at the end of the first half when Granite Shaka gave us all a half attack when he gave the ball away for the corner, but we got through. Um, I wanted some changes at half time. I was like looking again, looking for the the winger, but and I thought Benfica did well to, as you say, kind of nullify us and blocking off our passing lanes really well, actually restricting us quite a lot. Um, but yeah, and then we got into the second half. Um, and it was it was a penalty. It was unfortunately like. It... Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like his arms in an unnatural position. Whether you want to chat that it's come off his chest and hit his arm, it's. It I, have, I have I, I have no qualms with it. Like it's a penalty. Like and this is why I I I, th- I tweeted out something like oh Smith Rowe like bless him because he's obviously not meant to do that. Like yeah. it's just it's just inexperience, and also like it's so difficult because with the rules being the way that they are at the moment, with pretty much any handball being a penalty, his arm is in a very unnatural position and it's hit it. So I don't think as uh, as a team we can have any complaints. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, equally the the goal 
you know, we we kind of equalised a couple of minutes later. It was it was again great work from Sabalos to pick out Saka. Um, just watching it again now. It's it's a really nice ball over to Saka. Sort of he he's sort of running through that sort of right right hand channel. Cuts back, uh, and then it's a great ball from Erdegaard to find uh, Cedric. Again, he's so good in those positions. If you give him, you know, on the edge of the box, it's so many times you're watching him. his kind of highlight reels for Sociedad. He he has that lovely kind of final ball or pre-assist sort of thing or or assist. Um, where he sort of breaks the final line of defence to find a fullback or a finder an attacker. And it's it's it people being really good at one or two things, as long as the rest of your game doesn't suffer, if you're excellent at a couple of things and it can't be picked up, like, you know, that final ball for for um uh for, for literally forgotten his name, Martin Erdegaard <laughs> or, you know, Abamyang finishing it's worth having these guys in your creating chances and, and often often scoring. Having these guys in your team, there is a trade off, of course. But you know, because I look at Abamyang sometimes and I go, he offers so little elsewhere, or like you know, there is a better player. But sometimes I just you know, you watch him at the weekend, then you just go, Do you know what, fucking fair enough. And Erdegaard feels like one of those players where you know, I don't I don't watch him and go, oh, you know, he's clearly a very technically gifted player. I don't watch him and go, this guy is crucial to our build-up, crucial to Arsenal Football Club. Oh my God, let's keep him forever. But what he does have is that unbelievable left foot and that final ball and a really, a really, a real killer instinct. And that will just get mm. us goals. And and that's why you want to keep him. A hundred percent. And the rest and will come. Which is why going forward, uh, and I think this is why we've had the conversation in previous episodes about whether we should sell Aubameyang. Because I think... Every team has one or two luxury players. A player that isn't particularly good at a lot, but what he is good at, he is elite at. You're talking about, obviously, Meza Ozil during his prime, kind of 2015-16 season. What it, like He is a luxury player. I don't agree with the narrative that he's lazy or that he doesn't run, because if you even just look at the statistics, it's just false. But... You can have a few, one, maybe... You look at Liverpool, for example. I talk about them all the time. But I think that they're a great example, especially last season, for how to get that right. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a terrible right-back defensively. Horrific. Like, just bad. But offers you so much going forward and offers such a great delivery that you cover in other areas of the pitch for that. And I wouldn't mind setting up a system where we do that, where we have an Erdegaard who, okay, isn't going to dribble past six men and do all this, but he's got good defensive acumen. He has killer instinct and a brilliant left foot. And then we put players around him and with him that do the rest. Runners. Yeah. And and people who will move into good positions. And someone like Aubameyang, you saw there was two or three chances in that second half. It's yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting one kind of around kind of squad building because you want to create a team who all complement each other and yeah. you know, players who will fit. And, and it's I think it's no longer about having that starting 11. It's creating a, certainly in the modern era, in my opinion, it's about having, say, 14 or 15 players who can play a system. Can, that can all come in and play a system and all work with each other. When you have Smith Rowe, maybe you play Pepe, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I just, and I think we're constructing that at the moment. We're, we're setting up those kind of, you know, those links. And it, it, 
overall, our attacking play feels cohesive and it feels, um, it can feel a bit rigid at times. Um, it can feel a bit structured and a little bit predictable. But to be honest, from where we were in our attacking play, if we have to stick in an unbelievable amount of structure just to get us to that next stage, then that's that's that's, that's what's going to happen. And moving, uh, it feels like we always come on to squad building, but I think that's because that's so prevalent within this team right now. We've current. It feels like we've hamstrung together a first eleven to play a system that not all of them can play, and that's fine because that's where the squad is right now. But I think moving forward, we do need to be a bit more ruthless about how we, what jigsaw pieces we put into the puzzle, basically. And though Aubameyang is elite at getting himself chances, that unfortunately, I think moving forward just isn't going to be enough. Yeah, yeah, and 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 this and is that's the thing. fine. And once you once you maybe get a, get a striker in who can play a bit more of a centre forward, can kind of drop deep and link up play, that frees up runs for Smith Rowe and Odegaard to make. That frees up full, but you know, all of these things fit Saka, into for Pepe for yeah, all all these things fit in together, and they and they it's exciting. And I think actually, you know, it's strange to be talking about you know an exciting squad and it, you know or you know look look into the future after a one one um, against a team we really should have beaten, but. Again, encouraging signs. Um, speaking of which, Tierney returning. Oh, unreal. So I would, I'm not a medical professional, I will shock you uh, and say. I just... Is it a bit soon? He, he's only had one, He only had one session, apparently. I would say if he started, I mean, yes. it's great. I'm if not complaining started, that Tierney's yes. back. I'm just but saying. He came on at what? You know. What was it? The 60th? 65th? 60th. It was bang on 60th. So that was obviously the plan. Yeah. 60th, so getting him 30 minutes of just... With training, especially with what we're talking about in the sense that we're, what, what seems to be happening at the, at the moment is we're trying to build a system. Having a few training sessions off due to injury doesn't automatically take your brain out of that system and take your brain out of the way that works. It just takes your body out of fitness. Giving him a training session and then a 30-minute runabout in this game... Whilst it is an important game, a game that we were already dominating in a sense, I didn't mind it. I think we it is soon, and I think maybe we need to start taking a little bit more care when it comes to these players. But the main thing for me was Saka not coming off. I think if we're talking about that kind of conversation, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's the more prevalent point. Yeah, for sure. Um, please may I have your one down, one up. Uh, one down, one up. Uh, my one down is just going to be the lack of kind of like that final killer quality. I think that's something that we did lack all evening from not just, you know, obviously I think the Aubameyang chance comes to the forefront, but I think that there were a few players that just lacked that final clinical edge last night. That and it, it just hurt us a little, I think. And then one up, I I want to give a shout out to Cedric Suarez, who I think has been a brilliant deputy on that left hand side, seeing as he's not not a natural left footer, and for me has proved enough on that left hand side to be our starting right back for the rest of the season. 
or at least until he fucks it up. It's like Saka on that right wing. Saka has staked his claim for that right wing. I think that now Suarez has staked his claim on that right back slot and Bellerin needs to be dropped. Yeah. Um, my down will be substitutions. Um, just just felt as though could have been more proactive I, 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 earlier. Earlier, Yeah, you know, um, when was it? It was... 77th minute for Martinelli and Pepe and I felt the game needed that 10-15 minutes earlier um, it was clear what they were doing from the beginning you know we could have done that at half time I think why wait especially and, and also equally you know not taking off Saka we talked about that but yeah I just yeah substitutions again I think Arteta just in terms of his experience I know it's a lot is made of it I don't buy it massively in terms of oh god he's got no clue I think he will learn uh, as any as you will in any job Um hmm. And I'm not saying I'd go in and know exactly when to make the right substitutions, but you get a sense. And there was something that Wenger... I think he's making the right ones. Yeah, I think he's but making he's the right ones. he's not making them at the right time. time. Yeah, mo- <laughs> mostly, you know, I, I, William, you know, with the exception of maybe a Willian last week or whatever it was. Um, oh, but, God. you know, and... He'll learn. He'll learn. It just, he says, having never managed a professional game in his life. But you know what I mean? It's in like... You watch as a fan and you sort of know when a substitution feels right. And so often I kind of go, huh? When, you know, Tierney's coming on, I'm going, is that? Mm? Or Willian's coming on, I'm going, uh, or I'm going, oh, these are a bit late. They're, they're, they're re- I on, re- the, on Willian, there must be a clause in his contract. There's got to be an unused substitute Who, clause in his contract. I don't, I don't know that player. Sorry. Um, I haven't seen him since September. Sorry, I don't. I don't know somewhere in about. Fulham. I saw him at one point. I don't know. Where, I don't know what you mean. I don't know who we're talking about. Uh, will, will I am? Oh, the guy from Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Um, the yeah, just uh, there's never been a sub. Well, never. You know, there probably has, but rarely is there a sub where I go, yes, fucking yes. Like you look at you look at the bench. You go, that is the time. That is the player. That is the move to do. Um, so yeah, and my up will be Gabrielle. I think he um, put in another really solid performance at centre-back. Um, he's dominant in the air. He saved us quite a few times. He's he's just a big physical presence, but who can also get across the ground, do the dirty work, gets us out with that nice left um, ball, sort of out ball off his left. Doesn't always work. Um, he's maturing. He's He will develop. But by the time Gabriel is 25, 26, if we keep hold of him, I think we will have a Rolls Royce of a centre-back on, on our hands. He's quietly going about his work really, really well. Um, and I think he, he was excellent yesterday and um, kept Nunez and uh, the lads quiet. I'm saying the lads because I don't know the rest of their names. Walt Schmidt. Vol- Walt Schmidt. Cupido Goncalves. Great names. Um, anything else on the game? Brad? Oh, mate. Adele Tarapt. What a throwback to QPR. Yeah. He must be 409 now. Adele Tarapt. How old is he? He is not 409. Have a guess. 28. 31. 31. Ah, fuck. Benfica got a decent side, you know. I mean, you were saying about Vertonghen. Yeah, they got, what? They got Vertonghen, Otamendi, Grimaldo... Weigel, Pizzi, all players that I wouldn't mind having as options in our squad. Like, yeah, they've got the whole of Everton on the bench as well. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't bring on Calvert Lewin. We were linked with Everton actually before he went to Benfica. 
Yeah. From Gremio for about like 14, 15 million quid. It's, it's an interesting one, you know, like kind of assessing the quality between the the leagues like but he i always feel like i've definitely got my, like a massive english bias being like well it's the portuguese league so do you know what i mean here's the thing though and it, this this is what really frustrates me especially about the kind of big clubs is that nobody is taking these 15 million pound gambles anymore and it's frustrating as hell because then you end up in a situation where for example leeds have got rafinha for like 20 million quid from ren maybe and Rafinha is now being talked at um, as a, an option instead of Jaden Sancho for Man United. And if you say we'd signed Everton for 15 million euros, which I think was the reported fee when he was linked, it might have been 20, but let's just say 15. Are you telling me that we can't sell him to somewhere in France for that same price two years later? Like, yeah. Why? This this is the thing. We I don't think we can at the moment because we're in, in a massive rebuild. We need to be very specific about what we buy. But clubs like Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea even, are just not going for enough of these gambles. And it's coming back to bite them in the arse. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't have anything to say on that, Brad. I just started speaking. Because that's what you do on podcasts. Imagine if I just... Just, just silence. <laughs> It's a bit like this. It's a bit like Sionchu, for example. Like we were linked with Sionchu. He's gone to Leicester. Looks fucking brilliant. And that was like sixteen million quid. Imagine if we had Sionchu and Gabrielle as a double pivot. Like that would be sexy. But instead, we've got a man who needs a hairband. Anything else on the game, Brad? Nothing. We'll see you after this. News and views. Welcome back to news and views, where we give you all the news. And all your views, but mostly ours. Lovely. Um, Brad, a bit of non-Arsenal football now. Ooh. Mbappe or Haaland? And do you think it's the next Haaland. Messi or Ronaldo? Ooh, quick. Go on. Haaland uh, proved more in worse sides. Um you know, you're talking about his Champions League scoring record. He was banging them in against big clubs for Salzburg before he moved to Dortmund. Uh, for me, I just... I, and, <clears throat> and this is not me saying that Mbappe is shit. Of course not. It's the same as like the Messi and Ronaldo conversation. But I just think that Kylian Mbappe has had a bit more of an easy ride. I don't think you understand gone, how the internet works, Brad. If you make a choice, you think the I other one's terrible. It. No, no, no. Yeah. As in, if you if you pick Haaland, it means you think Mbappe is shit. Ah, uh, And okay, then, okay. therefore, well, you're a fraud and you're cancelled. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I just, I genuinely just think that he has proved more in lesser sides. Mbappe is in one of the easiest leagues in the world, you know, and Haaland is doing it for a Dortmund side who are in a league where they have a dominant superpower. And I think that, that, that's the kind of like, they're probably, if you talk about the leagues, may, I think the Bundesliga is slightly better. I think the bottom levels of the Bundesliga is better than the bottom levels of the French league. But Mbappe is at that superpower. Mbappe is at that oil country-led club. Whereas uh, Haaland is at the, ch- at the challenger. Haaland is at the underdog in Dortmund. So for me, I... and. It, 
if you if you it depends if you're talking about who would I prefer to have or whatever. But like if we're just talking about the two players, who do who, who do I think is better? I think it's Haaland. Um, and yeah, I, I I think he's fucking brilliant, mate. I just when I got some socks, my feet were really cold. You strike me as a slippers man, Brad. I know I. I which Brad, Brad was just recommending me slippers. Yeah, mate. I, I I hadn't owned slippers for a long, long time. And then my girlfriend brought me some about two weeks ago. And they've genuinely changed my life. <laughs> Top tier content, this. Um, <coughs> Who are you, Harland or Mbappe? Does Bradley Adams have slippers? I I, th- I feel like we should carry on the slippers chat. <laughs> Best brands. <laughs> um, I, I feel... From no statistics, Haaland. Because he's the man is built for football. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Six foot four. I mean, the way he runs is like a it's like a cyborg. It's like it's I've never seen he, like he someone like, that tall fa- should not run that quickly and that well. He doesn't have any facial features. It's like it's like he's literally been built for football. It's meant it's mad. Yeah. The, like the also I love the way um if you have FIFA two thousand twenty one. Uh, Derek Ray shouts this. <clears throat> Erling Haaland! I love it. Uh, <laughs> that's, I, I, yeah, that's the reason I, I like think the conversation. I think the conversation comes down to <clears throat> if you put Haaland in Mbappe's situation and put Mbappe in Haaland's situation, I think Haaland would flourish much more than Mbappe would. Yeah. I don't think Mbappe would flourish maybe the same amount as Haaland in his current situation. But yeah. I think that Haaland would be fucking storming it. Do you think we're seeing the new Messi and Ronaldo? Like, that's a very, like, talk sport question. I get that. But, like, as in, as in it, it is interesting. Yes and no. I think it, it, it will end up being one of those... I don't... Because it also depends on their next moves. Because if both of them go to the same club, it then becomes difficult. Uh... Yeah, probably, maybe. I, I don't think we're ever going to see an era of dominance in the same sense as Messi and Ronaldo. I think it will constantly be flip-flopping between maybe four or five players because you think, you know, there are a lot of absolutely world-beating talents out there at the moment. You know, Phil Foden, unbelievable. I don't think, I, I th- to be fair, I'm, I'm gonna, I think he should kind of just be edging himself into that conversation of like top three youngest prospects in the world. Saka's brilliant. Greenwood, though he's not had a good run of it, is a brilliant prospect. Um, Martinelli. Chuba Akpom. <laughs> Isn't he like 26 now? Um, but like, th- th- this, is a, this is a great era for like youth. And I think that rather than it being a Messi Ronaldo where it's either one or two of them for the Ballon d'Or, I think for the next 10 years, there'll be five or six names in the hat. And it will just be constantly flipping between who and who and who. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, but I think they are the top. I think they are. They are definitely the top of this crop coming through. Definitely. I, I, I like the. I think the reason they are being compared is like, you know, Mbappe. This is Wikipedia stats, so you know, excuse me. Um, but you know, sixty-seven goals and seventy appearances for PSG. Erling Haaland, thirty-one in thirty-one for Borussia Dortmund. Like those kind of a goal a game kind of numbers, as well as you know. Mbappe has six assists in the league. Haaland has has four. Those kind of numbers are for twenty and twenty one year olds or however old they are. Like ridiculous. If they can, if they if they can improve on that and stay consistent, they will be. Especially because they're a similar age, they will be um, 
I think definitely the next Messi Ronaldo. Like uh, surely, you know, ne- Ballon d'Or one is one of them fairly soon. Oh, but I think both of them as soon as because we're in the we're in the twilight now of the Messi Ronaldo era, and they'll uh, once they've retired, uh, I don't see anyone else challenging. I think Neymar might win one in the latter end of his career purely off the basis that the two of them haven't made the step up yet. So by proxy, he's the best player in the world because I think he's probably like maybe the fifth, sixth best player in the world. But I think he might end because Ballon d'Or's 99% of the time go to attackers. They just do. You know, you're talking about the fact that only one goalkeeper has ever won it. Yashin in like the fucking 40s or 50s or whenever he did it. Might have even been earlier than that. Um, It will end up going to those kind of glamorous players, which is why you'll see, you'll definitely see a Haaland. I, I, I reckon both of them will win one before the end of their career. Yeah, interesting what you said about like different clubs as well. Like, I wonder whether, imagine if like, imagine if Haaland went to Barca and Mbappe went to Madrid or something. That would be, nah, that would set I don't want to, I think, I, I, fuck Barcelona. I want them to get absolutely liquidated. Um, <laughs> so I, I would prefer them to go. I don't think that there is a need for like an in-league rivalry. Because we've got like the Champions League. And we've got other competitions. I would rather them go. I like. I would prefer Haaland somewhere else at, than it rather than, rather than both of them in the same league because it just gets boring, doesn't it? I don't want to watch La Liga matches just to watch fucking the two of them square off. I want to see different things in different leagues, and it will make the Champions League more interesting. I think the next moves for them will really make or break how the latter stages of their career will work out. Yeah. Okay, so 4.30 on Sunday, uh, Man City faces at the Emirates. Uh, obviously, they're in unbelievable form. I think De Bruyne, Aguero, I think even Gundogan's back. They've got pretty much a full-strength side. I was going to say 11, but let's be honest, they can make about four 11s with their team. Um, what do you... Well, like I, I think we're going to see a change in system, to be honest. I don't think we can play the way we have been. I just think we'll get ripped to absolute fucking shreds. I think we need three midfielders, potentially maybe Xhaka Ceballos and Elneny or something like that. Maybe play on the counter with Pepe and Martinelli because uh, we could give Saka a rest. I, I honestly, I don't know. I think the um, the lineup will really be interesting, but I wonder whether Arteta uh, feels a pressure. And, and I know it's Pep as well. So this is the thing. It's always Arteta versus Pep and, Will he want to kind of concede? Will he want to out-tactic him or whatever? There's a, there's an interesting kind of not only... Because it, it's a game, basically, we're, we're expected to lose. So do you go into it with a, well, let's see if we can get anything out of this? Or do you go in and try and challenge them? And I, I think, to be honest, with the way Arteta is, I doubt he's going to do anything... Yeah, I doubt he's going to do anything challenge. other than try and challenge, which is great in a sense, but equally sometimes you go, oh. I just rest. For me, I just rest Saka. I'd give him the game off because it's a, it's a stab in the dark. It's throwing shit at a wall to see what sticks. And realistically, I, I think we're maybe 5% more likely to win the game with Saka on the pitch than with him off it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of concerning that our 19-year-old is our is our best player. But like, you know, for example, if you look at, Let's say if we started Lacazette, we, we well we have pl- we have fresh players Lacazette, Pepe, Martinelli, Erdegaard's not played much football, um, El Neni's not played much football, Sabahis hasn't played much football, Xhaka can is a beast. He'll just continue playing and realistically he just sits there and run. 
and the defense will be fine. Like so, I think in terms of freshness, I think we can put out a decent eleven. I think the question is around, yeah, Saka, because realistically, we're we're just much better with him on the pitch, and we're more likely to score. But do we sit sit and play on the counter? It's 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 going to be really interesting. I wonder whether, yeah, just that three in the midfield to try and control them. But realistically, that, that I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who the fuck knows, mate? Just let's just hope we don't get spanked. Yeah, basically. Okay, so every week from now on, I and Brad are going to set a little question, just a little trivia question about Arsenal, so we can all learn. We can all learn together um, and just have a bit of fun. Don't lick it up. Um, Try and answer it, and we will answer the question in the next episode at the end. So this week's question, don't Google it, is, who is Arsenal's medical director? What is the name of Arsenal's medical director? It changed recently, I think. Um, but yeah, what is the name of Arsenal's medical director? Have a think, and then in the next episode, we'll reveal the answer and set the next question. Brad, any ideas? Don't tell me. Yeah. The only reason that I know is football manager, isn't it? <laughs> God's sake. Got to, sort, got to sort that backroom staff out, fam. All right, Brad, it's been a pleasure. As per usual, my friend. As per usual. As per usual. Any plans the rest of the day? Nah, nothing really. Just going to chill out, maybe go for a walk. Hashtag lockdown three vibes. Hit the mic. Hit uh, the mic. Yes, indeed. Our Wi-Fi stopped working, so yeah. By love the way, can it, I just recommend it. no one go with Talk Talk? No, don't do it. Please, please go, don't go with Talk Talk. If you're looking to get internet anytime soon, do not go with Talk Talk. I won't bore you all with a long, boring story. Just don't go with don't Talk Talk. Do it. Um, pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. And we will see you all after we smash Man City 17-0. Peace. In a bit. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at Diffknock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.